Hello and welcome into another episode of Locked on Wolves. Today on the show, putting a bow on Team USA's performance at the FIBA World Cup and specifically what we learned about Anthony Edwards, or at least what we learned about his progression as a player uh, beyond the national narratives, right? Let's talk about what he looked like overall at FIBA+. Plus. We'll get into some more player rank lists. Both Bleacher Report and Action Network put out player rank lists where four Timberwolves players ranked on each list. It's all coming on the show. Welcome in. You are Locked on Wolves. You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. Happy Monday, everybody. Hopefully you had a fantastic weekend. A big thank you, first of all, for making Locked On Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as all of your favorite audio platforms. Wherever you like to listen to podcasts, you can find this show. You can also watch uh, on, of course, as I mentioned, YouTube, as well as the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV, along with all the other Lockdown Minnesota podcasts. Uh, a big football weekend. Of course, the Gophers going to 2-0. Vikings, tough loss Sunday. Go check out the guys at Lockdown Vikings uh, as well. And the, t- or the Twins, I should say, in a pennant race. Uh, well, not real. I mean, they're, they were going to win the division. They're like 98% chance they'll win the AL Central. But uh, a good time to catch up a couple weeks before the end of the regular season, gearing up for the playoffs. Uh, go check out Lockdown Twins also. Uh, download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app today on Roku and Amazon at Fire TV. You can also follow this show on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at my account, which is at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, C K E N. All right, we're at kind of a weird time of year, especially this year because FIBA World Cup has been ongoing now for over a month if we include the exhibition games. So there's We've been talking about that quite a bit. I want to put a bit of a bow on that very briefly here at the beginning of the show today. And uh, just kind of take a look at at um, what Ant, Ant did overall, right? Like there's been a lot of Anthony Edwards national talk, maybe a little less over the weekend. Of course, the last show uh, we had on Friday was right before Team USA lost in the semifinals. And then they lost again on Sunday, of course, um, to Canada in the, in the bronze medal game. So I want to talk a little about that and about Ant's um, performance in general at FIBA, some quick takeaways. Spend a big chunk of the show today on the Bleacher Report's player rankings and also the Action Network. Our friend Matt Moore, who of course is also on Lockdown Nuggets, uh, he did a player rank that was maybe a little less favorable, I guess, of Timberwolves players than the Bleacher Report ranking was. So I want to look at both of those, kind of uh, maybe quibble a little bit with those rankings uh, as well. I want to say for Wednesday, I want to talk a bit about Chris Finch's per, uh, performance appearance um, on JJ Reddick's Old Man in the Three podcast last week. I teased it a bit on Friday's show, and then I, I went back, of course, and watched the whole thing. And I had some thoughts on Finch's thoughts. I think we'll do that on Wednesday's show, though. So um, stay tuned for that here later in the week. Let's start with Ant versus Germany. And, uh, and I guess also Ant versus Canada. We'll talk more about the Germany game because that one I thought was a bit more. Um, well, it, I mean, that was that was the like that was the game to go to the gold medal game. Right. That was the game to me where Team USA had a really no pun intended golden opportunity and kind of kicked it away. Right. Like they were um at halftime, I think they were up by a bucket or down by a bucket. It was a close game. And then by like four minutes left in the fourth, they were down 10. And that's when it really seemed like 
they were ready to lock in. And we saw Anthony Edwards hit a big shot, I think, that got the U.S. to within three with about three, three and a half minutes left. And then from that point forward, the ball continued to be sticky for Team USA. The defense was okay, uh, but it wasn't consistent, and Germany mostly got what they wanted. What I was most impressed about in this particular game by Anthony Edwards uh, or about his performance, I should say, was his work on the glass, his rebounding. In this particular game, Friday's game against Germany, only two USA players had more than three rebounds, which is crazy. One of them was Josh Hart, who had five. The other was Anthony Edwards, who had eight. And I know that this isn't, I'm not breaking any news by saying that that uh, big play was was the, the major issue for Team USA throughout this tournament. Um but it was never more apparent than it was against Germany. Anthony Edwards had eight of Team USA's 28 rebounds. The next highest rebound total, I'll say this again, is Josh Hart with five. Jaron Jackson had three rebounds in 19 minutes. Uh, wasn't in foul trouble at all. Like this was just, Team USA did not, the, the um, I would say this, and this isn't the only problem, but Steve Kerr's, substitution pattern was a bit head scratching at times throughout earlier in the tournament. I had complained about Walker Kessler being used briefly, like in the second quarter and then not again in the second half of a couple of games where team USA struggled in the paint, both interior defense and then especially on the glass and against Germany. This is another case. Walker Kessler didn't play at all. And Germany out was only plus two on the glass. There's just a lot of scoring, right? Both teams shot the ball extremely well, right around 58% for both teams. But late in the game, Ant had a couple of really big contested rebounds that he pulled down. That It was really impressive. And in general, he was very good in this game. He only got to the line twice, which we saw again against Canada on Sunday. Um, the the foul drawing in, in for Ant in international play was not what it needed to be. Um, I didn't go and like look at his whole international game log, but there were many games where he had two to four free throws, and that was kind of it. As a team, Team USA had 24 against Germany. Germany had 22, so like it was fairly even. But Ant, again, in the Germany game, he shot eight threes to only nine two-point attempts and only two free throws. So the shot selection throughout the game was a bit of an issue. Late, he hit that big three that I mentioned a little bit ago. He had those big rebounds, and that was really good to see. And actually, as a whole, I would say that the most impressive thing for me from Ant throughout FIBA was probably, and this is this is going to sound weird. I, I want to be clear. It's not that he shot more mid-range jumpers, but the shot making from the mid-range when he did take them. And I, I realize that this is dangerous, but like if like on-ball defense was really good, but we know that, right? Yes, the national folks are talking about that and like, oh man, we didn't know Ant was such a great on-ball defender. Timberwolves fans know that. Like the vast majority of the time when Ant is locked in, he's a really, really good on-ball defender, probably top five in the league. And I mean that. And especially when he's matched up against these guys who are clearly inferior athletes. They're not NBA players for the most part. Um, And he was dominant on the ball. That's not surprising to me. The decision-making I thought was basically what it was during the season when he was in a Timberwolves uniform. Uh, most of the shooting was the same, or, or his ability to score at the rim was essentially the same. Um, the off-ball lapses were about the same. The the distribution was about the same. I, I did, you know, early in the tournament, I thought the decision making was maybe a little bit better when he was choosing to defer a little bit more. But as it as the tournament went on, it was just kind of more of what we saw from Ant last year, which was mostly good decision making, sometimes forcing it. But that's also at times what Team USA was calling for him to do. I think he shot the ball in the mid-range a little too much, and actually Germany and Canada are two examples of games where that was the case. But he made them. 
Like he shot the ball better from the mid range than he did. And I, I talked about this actually. Uh, well, this is funny because um, I, I'm going to save the Chris Finch uh, interview with with JJ Redick for later in the week. But this actually, and, and I, I didn't think about this until just now. This was one of the things they talked about was was mid range versus three point shooting. Redick and Finch on on Redick's podcast that came out either last Thursday or Friday. Um, and basically, like if you're a really good mid range shooter, unless you're like 50%, it's still better if you're shooting threes, right? The math works out where if you're, you know, whatever, 36% from three versus 41% from two, obviously shoot the threes more, right? Like, like increase your volume on three point shots. And, and I would say the same about Ant, right? Like we've talked about this before. You look at Ant's mid range jump shooting numbers from this last year. The percentage is not where it would need to be for him to take a high volume of mid range shots. But if he shoots it from the mid range at the same clip, he did at FIBA, it's a little bit more palatable. And, and I'm in no me by no means am I advocating for him to shoot more mid-range jumpers. And Chris Finch certainly doesn't want that. But that to me was the more impressive thing. I felt like he got good elevation. Maybe it's just fresher legs after having a couple months off. Um, good elevation on the mid-range jumper, good touch. Uh, I think for the most part, when he shot them, the timing was good. He was open. They ran some plays where he had the ball kind of top of the key and took a couple dribbles in and got a mostly open jumper. It's maybe not something that's super functional this year in the NBA because, again, Finch doesn't want him shooting those shots. You'd much rather have him at the rim or outside the arc. But those are kind of, if you need it late in the game, if you just need a bucket, you get a play call, whatever. Um, I thought Ant looked better from the mid-range, weirdly enough. And, you know, we talked about this. One of the drawbacks from his season last year with the Wolves is he actually did take more, uh, you know, long to mid-range to long twos and didn't shoot them at a higher clip. He was still like 35, 36%, which is not good. Like if you're shooting 35% from 18 feet, don't shoot that shot. Um, so for the one or two a game, and this is also, by the way, Finch said this on the Reddick podcast, they have a number they know they can stomach, right? Like we can handle X number of mid-range shots per game if we're hitting this many threes per game. Um, that's how detrimental those shots can be that they actually have a number. I think the way Finch even put it was a number we can stomach or a number we can handle or something like that. Um, and if Ant's hitting at a, at a 50% clip for mid range, then you can definitely stomach that. But if he's 35%, no. Um, so all that to say, the most positive thing I saw was he made those shots at a higher clip. The playmaking appeared to be similar to what we saw late last season for the Timberwolves. The defense looked to be similar. Um, and it was just really kind of more of what we had seen all season in a Timberwolves uniform for Ant. It was just people were paying more attention from a national perspective, right? Um, Team USA, obviously really disappointing Friday, disappointing loss Sunday to Canada uh, that, you know, went to overtime and Bridges hitting the big shot that sent it to OT. But uh, and another, you know, big performance. What do you have? 24, I think, on Sunday on the heels of the, of the game against Germany when he also had 23. Um, so, you know, I like... I, I don't want to do a full Team USA postmortem. I think the the Ant postmortem, which sounds weird, the Ant Team USA postmortem, FIBA postmortem, um, is more appropriate, I think, for this show. Team USA obviously had a, a little bit of roster construction issues, some uh, rotation issues, and then also they just needed Jaron Jackson to play better. They need Bobby Portis to do a little bit more, although I guess I don't know what they were necessarily expecting. Bancaro was kind of hit and miss throughout the tournament. So that, that was the biggest issue. And Jalen Brunson, you know, had moments, but I think they expected more out of him. Uh, Bridges didn't come on strong till late. Brandon Ingram was only effective for a couple games there in the middle of the tournament. So I would blame roster construction and rotation more than anything else. But then some of the guys that were on the team, they just needed more out of them and they didn't get it. 
All right, um, let's move on to talk about player ranks. Bleacher Report and Action Network have player ranks out. I think they're pretty interesting. So we'll do all that. We'll talk about all that here next. Today's episode of Lockdown Wolves is brought to us by our friends over at Ibotta. If you're picking up burgers and hot dogs for a late summer barbecue, I know it's after Labor Day, but I actually grilled out this weekend. Um, I mean, you know you're already going to do it. You know you're planning the barbecue, you're planning the fall get-together. Uh, maybe it's around a bonfire in Minnesota as we start to get closer to, to campfire season, bonfire season. You're already doing it, so why not get cash back for it? You could do that with Ibotta. Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from produce to personal care to pantry goods. You can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. Either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. It's that easy. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year. That could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip, or you could use your cash back to buy that flight you've been eyeing, that game you're dying to go to, or the fancy dinner that you've been craving. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, but with Ibotta, you get real cash back that you can cash out to your bank account, PayPal, or gift cards. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too when you start with Ibotta, including Lowe's, Macy's, Sephora, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 just for trying Ibotta by using the code LOCKED when you register. Just go to the App Store or Google Play Store and download the free Ibotta app and use the code LOCKED. That's Ibotta, I-B-O-T-T-A, in the Google Play or App Store and use the code LOCKED. A big thank you once again for making Lockdown Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, every day, as I mentioned already Wednesday, I want to break down a bit of what Chris Finch said on the J.J. Redick podcast last week, especially related to the Timberwolves offense, shot selection, and and even more specifically, Anthony Edwards. So we'll do that on Wednesday's show. Uh, and then, of course, we'll be back again on Friday. So last week, we're only doing three shows. Next week, Monday the 18th, we'll be back to five shows per week as we gear up for training camp and preseason. All right. Uh, player rank list. We did this a little bit already um, a couple of weeks ago, and now we've got some more player rank lists that are out. And I think, you know, just like I'll give some quick reasoning behind this. I do think it's fascinating. These lists are all, of course, very arbitrary because it's whoever's putting them together. What metrics are you using? Like who who's to say that, you know, player A is better than C, better than A is better than B, better than C, better than D, right? Like context really matters. Um, and it's so hard, like, but I think in a vacuum, we could like one example I've always used is not always used. I've used in the last six months would be when the Timberwolves traded for Mike Conley in a vacuum is Mike Conley or D'Angelo Russell, the better player. Like you're just comparing the two. You could certainly argue D'Angelo Russell is the better player, but there's no argument that Mike Conley is the better fit for the Timberwolves roster. Mike Conley just fits the Timberwolves better than D'Angelo Russell, Right. Um, when the Timberwolves traded the Ricky Rubio trade for Torian Prince, uh, what, two years, two and a half, almost three years ago now. In a vacuum, I would have argued that Ricky Rubio was the better player than Torian Prince at that time, three years ago. I thought Torian Prince was overrated defensively, et cetera. But I completely understood that Torian Prince was a better fit for the Timberwolves roster because of his defensive versatility, his ability to catch and shoot three-pointers. And Ricky Rubio was not a good three-point shooter. And did not fit what the Timberwolves needed to do. And then also, given the context, that was the same offseason they added Patrick Beverly. Would you rather have Pat Bevan, Torian Prince, or Ricky Rubio and Jarrett Culver, right? Obviously, you'd rather have Beverly and Prince. So it's it's inherently a flawed exercise because context matters 100% of the time when you're comparing the merits and the value of NBA players. But it's still fun, and it's, it's, um, it's something that we all try and do anyway, right? Like, it's, it's just a water cooler 
you know, conversation. It's a bar conversation. Like people are going to talk about this stuff. So let's do it. Uh, Bleacher Report in their ranking of their top 100 players. Anthony Edwards is ranked. Drum roll, please. Anthony Edwards is ranked 15th on this list. Now, last year, Bleacher Report had him 26th, moved up nine spots, actually, no, 11 spots to 15th. I actually agree with this. I actually think it might be a little bit high. I, I don't know that I truly believe Anthony Edwards is a top 15 player sitting here right now in early September 2023. Will he be by the end of the season? I think there's a really good chance he is. But top 15, I mean, that's by definition, those are, you know, obviously positions play a little bit in here, but that's essentially those are all NBA players, right? He didn't make an all NBA team this last year. Uh, I probably, I'd put Edwards somewhere in the 20 to 25 range, and we'll get to the Action Network rankings here in a minute. But Anthony Edwards is ranked 15 on Bleacher Report rankings. A couple of players he's just ahead of Jamal Murray at 16, Darren Fox at 17, Paul George at 18, Jalen Brown at 19, Donovan Mitchell at 20, John Morant at 21. I actually think I'd put him behind all those guys. I say that as somebody who covers the Timberwolves, right? Being objective here, except for maybe Darren Darren Fox, uh, but I would put him behind Jamal Murray, Jalen Brown, Donovan Mitchell, John Morant. I, I would. I, I I think his ceiling is higher than all of those guys because of the physical gifts, frankly, and also like he's already such a better shooter and a better defender than John Morant, but Ja is still so good in the half court. Um like, I don't know, James Harden's 22. I'd put him ahead of James Harden. Um, we'll get to Cat in a second. Cat's higher than you might think, too, on this list. So Ant's 15. I, like, I love it. I love that he's getting that much love. I wouldn't put him quite that high. He's got Dame at 14, Kawhi Leonard at 13, Jimmy Butler at 12, SGA at 11. I'd put SGA in my top 10. Anthony Davis at 10. Devin Booker at nine, and then you go on up the list, the guys you'd expect, right? Uh, Durant, LeBron, Curry, Jason Tatum at five, maybe a little higher than I'd think, Embiid at four. Then you get into Luka, Giannis, and of course, Jokic at number one. So Edwards at 15. Uh, again, I think it's a little high. My first, like, if you just ask me, hey, is Anthony Edwards a top 15 player? I would say no. If you ask me if he's top 20, I'd say, hey, he's right around there, right? Like, I think somewhere in that, 20 to 23 range is probably where I'd put Anthony Edwards um, sitting here right now. Does he have the ceiling to be in the top 15? Absolutely he does. I think he has the ceiling to be in the top three in the NBA. If not, like, I mean, he legitimately has a generational ceiling. Um, this guy is, like, people say this guy's limit all the time. And it's it's a throwaway. It's that's truly the case with Anthony Edwards. He could be one of literally one of the best players of all time. That's how talented he is at such a young age. But he's not at this moment at age twenty two, heading into year four. He's not a top fifteen player in the league. I don't believe. I think he's somewhere around twenty. Um, and that's kind of where I'm at. In fact, let's do this. Let's instead of going down the Bleacher Report list, let's skip over to where he is on the Action Network list. And given a bit of additional context, the Action Network is, of course, the um, primarily the the um, sports betting site, uh, other stuff there too, but odds, etc. Um, and there's some great people that work there. Matt Moore is the one who did this list. He's one of the hosts of Lockdown Nuggets as well. Uh, he's HP Basketball on Twitter, so many of you probably follow him. He put together these rankings. And has Ant at 25. Um, 
10 spots lower than where Bleacher Report had him at 15. And again, Bleacher Report last year had him at 26. And I just said I'd, I'd put Ant somewhere around 20. I think 25 is close. It's just a little bit too low. Uh, like, for instance, he's got him behind Kyrie. I don't know. I put Ant ahead of Kyrie at this point. Um, he has him behind Paul George. You could argue that when he has him behind James Harden, I wouldn't do that. He's got him behind Laurie Markkinen. I know Markkinen was extremely efficient last year. That's what he talks about in this piece. I just think Edwards' all-around game is is superior to Laurie Markkinen. And also, we could play the whole, like, I mean, whose team finished the better record game, which obviously there's more to it than that. But you could argue that, um, well, I don't know. I, that's probably not the argument I would actually make if I were debating this. But um, he's got him behind... Siakam, Fox, Brunson, like, again, those are guys where you could argue they're all kind of in that 15 to 25 range. I would have Ant a few spots higher. I think 20 probably splitting that difference is probably about right for Ant um, in the overall, in terms of the overall ranking. All right, let's talk about Kat. Let's talk about Rudy. Let's talk about Jaden McDaniels next. And that's how we'll close out the show. All right, jumping back to the Bleacher Report article, top 100 players, Carlton Towns is ranked 23. Last year, a year ago on the Bleacher Report list, he was 16, so he dropped seven spots. And, I mean, like, I don't know. What did I say last year? I thought he was probably around 20. This year, I'd probably put him but in the 25 to 30, maybe closer to 30 range. He wasn't an all-star last year because of the calf injury, right? But he had been the year before, which is understandable that he'd be in the top 20 last season. I think it's hard to, to say Cat's a top 25 player right now. Um, now, if he's healthy... And this team has a winning record. He is probably an all-star, which would fit him in the the top 24 players, give or take, right? So 23 is not a crazy ranking. Again, objectively, I would probably say that Cat is closer to the 30th best player in the league right now in a vacuum. Um, some of the things Bleacher Report says, it talks about how really it's giving, it's talking about why he dropped um, and basically that he's the third best offensive center in the league after Jokic and Embiid. So, uh, but then also talks about how he has one of the, quote, worst offensive setups among star players because of playing with Rudy Gobert. So they've got him at 23. I, I understand it. I would have him a little bit lower. On the flip side of things, our friend Matt Moore over at the Action Network has him at 47 on his list, which is, I don't know, it's pretty low. It's pretty low. Uh, and I love Matt and I love... I love the Action Network and I love Locked On Nuggets, but 47 is really low to put a three-time uh, all-star center. And I know that this is like ranking it right now. Um, and also, I can't disagree with what he said, like his little write-up. I'll read it. He has, Towns has the best of intentions, but struggles in pursuit of those intentions. He wants to win. He wants to be great. But all his notions of how to go about it cause him to go sideways. If basketball age and wisdom at age 27 or a different team makes him reevaluate, he can leap into the top 25. Great. 47 is too low. It just is. They've got him behind DeRozan, Aaron Gordon, Brooke Lopez, Julius Randle, um, Cam Johnson, Fred Van Vliet, Zions at 40, Brandon Ingram 39. I'm kind of okay with that. Levine at 37, Middleton's in there, Desmond Bain, uh, Darius Garland. I don't know. I I put Cat ahead of Darius Garland. Like I put Cat ahead of some of those guys I just listed. Trey Young's at 30. Like what are we doing here? I, I Again, I love, I love Matt. But man, um, Trey Young at 30 and Carlton Towns at 47 is beyond a head scratcher. Cat's got to be higher than 47. Um, I have, again, I have him around 30. That's that's where I'd have him. I think 23 on the Bleacher Report list is too high. 
And the reason for that, of course, is he just didn't play enough last year. And it was arguably the worst season of his career when he did play, which tons of asterisks. I get it. He played 28 games, had the calf injuries coming back from trying to figure out how to play with Rudy. Point guard change in the middle of the year and asserting himself. Yes, all that's true. He also didn't shoot the ball well when he was on the floor. So, like, I get it. That's why I have him around 30. But to put a, a multiple All-NBA, multiple All-Star big who's 27 at 47 because he missed 55, 54 games, whatever it was, uh, that is, I think, inaccurate. I would put him higher. Um, now, Rudy Gobert, this one is a little bit closer to an agreement according to these these two different lists. Bleach Report has him at 62, dropping 42 spots from 20 on that same list last year. I can't really argue with that. Similarly, Action Network, Matt Moore has him at 67 and actually says, talks about how Gobert did improve offensively last year, um, but then the defensive versatility issues in the playoffs. And then they also dock him for the fight with Kyle Anderson that suspended him or caused him to be suspended for the Lakers play in. Uh, so they've got him at 67. I think 60s is maybe a little aggressively low as well for Gobert. He's probably 40s, early 50s or low 50s. Uh, it's got him behind Tyler Hero, Tobias Harris, Bradley Beal, okay, DeJounte Murray, Trey Murphy. Um, Trey Murphy's probably going to have a good year. Like, I, I like Trey Murphy, but is he already better than Rudy Gobert? I don't know. I don't know that that's true. Uh, it's got Kessler at 59, so a few spots higher than Gobert. Again, that's Action Network. Bleach Report has him at 62. I think both these lists underrate Gobert still, um, and maybe in a year, I I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But I think based on his season, dropping him 40 spots is pretty, um, he was pretty impactful still defensively. Like the Wolves were still a top 10 defense in large part because of Rudy Gobert. I think that that's absolutely true. Speaking of defense, Jaden McDaniels has an interesting um, an interesting positioning on both of these lists. He's 97 on the Bleacher Report list. And um, of course he, he, like I think he was really hurt uh, for stuff like this, where it has like national attention matters. He was hurt by hurting himself, uh, punching the wall, of course, in the uh, game 82, the Pelicans game, because he didn't play in the play-ins or the playoffs and a national audience that otherwise only knows who he is because of punching the wall. Um, didn't get to know him more. And so he comes in 97th on the Bleacher Report list. Uh, I forget where he was on the other list. We talked about a few weeks ago, but it was also a little bit too low. He was not on the Action Network list. But get this, he's mentioned as an honorable mention. So there are two, four, six, eight, 10, 12. There are 12 players that Matt at the Action Network mentions as honorable mentions. The only one that got a write-up was Jaden McDaniels. And here's what he says. He says, I'm going to take the L on this. Jaden McDaniels, a top flight defender at 39% from three last season, who played 79 games, deserved to be on this list and probably somewhere in the 80s. In the 80s. He's a really great player, and I had a note to go back and deep dive on him to find a spot, and then life got in the way. This is an example of how difficult this exercise is. This is my mea culpa. Um, I appreciate, like, kudos to Matt for saying that. I think that's great. Uh, I think 80s is probably about right. I don't know that you can go higher than 70s. There just isn't. He has, doesn't have enough um, track record yet at being a top-flight defender plus a plus offensive player because, you know, in general, he was a pretty net neutral uh, offensive player last year. Obviously, the three-point shot was impressive and improved uh, and has continued to improve for Jaden McDaniels. But if he shoots 40% from three and is a top-five defender again this year, then yeah, he's a top-50 player. Um, so 
expect there to be a Jaden McDaniels coming out party of sorts this year, or at least a national recognition of how good he is. 97 on the Bleacher Report list and honorable mention with a, he should have been in the 80s on the Action Network list. So in general, as is usually the case, there's one list that completely overvalues these players and another list that has, I think, every Wolves player that was mentioned too low. I'm somewhere in the middle on basically all of these players, um, which maybe isn't surprising. I'm you know, trying to have a measured take on these guys. I just don't see how how Ant isn't like right around 20 and Cat's not right around 30. Um, that seems right to me. Gobert in the 50s or 60s. like, And I, I let's finish where I started this conversation. The whole exercise is inherently flawed and it's a difficult thing to do. And um, I'm sitting here doing this based off of lists that are already created. I'm not creating a top 100 list, so obviously it's difficult and I understand that. Um, but... You know, I think I think that the the Timberwolves rankings are somewhere the the truth, as it often is, is somewhere in the middle there, um, regarding these these four Timberwolves players. All right, Wednesday show. I'm excited about this. I'm excited to talk about Ant and uh, um, Ant's offensive game and the Timberwolves offense as a whole. Maybe goals for this year for the Wolves offense. Maybe I'll frame it that way. I think that might be a good a good way to attack it. But based on Chris Finch's interview that he did with JJ Redick on the old man of the three podcast late last week, talk about some of the comments kind of unpack, maybe read between the lines a bit or extrapolate out some of what Finch said to, to Redick. So we'll do that on Wednesday's show. And again, we'll be back on Friday to this last week. We only have three shows next week, starting with Monday, the 18th, we'll be back to five shows in a week, Monday through Friday. And we are on, we are real close to training camp and then preseason games start less than a month from now. So it's uh, it's happening. I mean, when football starts, you know you're within a month of, uh, of preseason NBA action. All right, that's all we have for you today here on the show. A big thank you to those who do make Locked Eyed Wolves your first listen every day. Of course, this show is free and available everywhere, including YouTube, as well as anywhere you like to listen to podcasts, you can find this show. You can also watch on the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on both Roku and Amazon Fire TV. You can also follow on Twitter at Lockdown T Wolves and also at B Beacon with two B's, two E's, CK. Of course, the Lockdown Wolves podcast is part of the Lockdown Podcast Network. Remember, the Lockdown Network is your local experts on all the biggest stories. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Lockdown Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.